Hi everyone, welcome to Real Talk with Abigail. I'm your host, Abigail. Let's be real. Life has its ups and downs, and sometimes we don't take the time to really talk about it. So that's what I'm gonna do, talk about it. Join me and a different guest each week as we talk about faith, fun, and everything in between. So let's get started with today's episode. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Real Talk with Abigail. I'm your host, Abigail, and this is a very important episode to me. This is not your average happy talk today. This is a very real thing. I have some very special friends with me today, and we are going to talk about a very important topic, and that is grief. This group was formed by my coworker, Jeremy, who is in here today. Hi, Jeremy. Well, hello, Abigail. How are you doing? I am doing great right now. Good. Yes. It's good so, to be here with all you guys. Yeah. So, Jeremy, you formed a group for people who have lost parents too soon. Yes. So, like five and a half years ago, my dad died to a gunshot wound that was delivered by my brother. Mm. And while I went to counseling myself, I had a bunch of friends. Well, namely the three of you that are in here. Uh, that had also dealt with the same thing that I had. And I learned from one of them a lot of good information, a lot of life lessons, because her dad had passed when I was her youth pastor. And it really made me understand what she went through now uh, almost 16 years ago. I would have changed a lot if I had known back then, but I didn't. And what I didn't know was I needed to be there. But with the three of you, I felt like we could be family, and I believe we are. And we can mm. talk about, because we, we all understand what each other is going through or is going to be going through, because we've all lost a parent at a different point in time, going backwards. Yeah. So for those listening, you're about to jump into what one of our group meetings looks like. We meet every once in a while to talk about the things we've been through. So we're inviting you to join in and listen to our conversation. So I want to introduce you to the two other girls in here. Ashley, how are you today? I'm good, thanks. So Ashley, will you tell us who you lost and how long ago that was? So I lost my father when I was 13 years old. So that was 16 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, he had had a heart attack and didn't even make it to the hospital. Yeah. And Chelsea, what about you? Um, I lost my mom to ALS in May of 2019, so fairly recently. Okay. And I lost my mom to cancer nine months ago. So we've all been on a journey. We're all at different times, and we've all been dealing with the same similar situation. So we're going to jump into a conversation. <laughs> Fasten your seatbelts. This is going to be a wild ride. So Jeremy, will you talk a little bit more about how our group was formed? So basically the group uh, idea came when I watched you, Abigail, go through what you were dealing with as your uh, mother started going downhill. Yeah. Um, having been through losing a parent, I knew what you were going to deal with. And at that point, long before you even knew that this was in my mind, um, I had planned on doing something. 
and Chelsea and Ashley both came to mind because like I said earlier, um, Ashley's dad, I didn't, I didn't understand. I didn't get it 16 years ago when my dad died. Then I saw Ashley at the, the fairgrounds and she saw me and she ran to me and gave me a big hug. And of course I ran to her too. And I told her, I said, I'm sorry, I didn't do more, but I understand now. And with that, there was like so much wisdom in a lot of what she shared with me. I'll let her share, you know, some of that in a little bit. But there was so much wisdom in what she shared that I knew I had to bring her on board. And then I was at Chelsea's mom's, you know, calling hours and she was sharing stuff and I knew exactly what she had dealt with or was dealing with what she was going to deal with. So she came to mind. And then of course, you know, what you were going through at the time, not getting to the point of losing your mom yet. But God just kind of, he dropped this idea in my head. And I thought there's no way that I can say no to this. Because with each of us, we lo- we've lost a parent at a different point in time. With Ashley, it was uh, Valentine's Day. This coming Valentine's Day, it'll be 16 years. I'm a year and a half out, nine months, okay, as I'm going around the room. And so because of the length of time that we've each dealt with this, we can really learn from each other and how each of us has experienced different things in our lives, like our first Christmas, our first Thanksgiving, the first Mother's Day, or the first Father's Day, or, you know, just having that whole in the family, that emptiness, that, that feeling. So when God dropped that idea in my, in my lap, I, I told my wife, we've got to do this. And I know it's going to work because God is going to make it work. I have no doubt whatsoever that we're going to get together and we're going to talk and have this, this group. That's how it all started. And well, I mean, the rest is history for, for the four of us, you know? We've been meeting for how long now? We've been meeting since May of this year, roughly every three weeks, once a month. Yeah. And it's been so good for me. What about you guys? Yeah, it's it's been great for me up until about a month ago. Um, I had no interest in seeking out counseling from like a professional. I wasn't ready for that. So to come together with what I would consider family now and people who understand even though our stories are all different, it was incredibly helpful for me and still is. Yeah. What about you, Ashley? Um, I think this group, because like, even though my family all experienced this together, because we were all so young, um, we never really talked about it. So to be able to like have a group and just be able to talk about it without like fear of, you know, you like walk on glass basically around people. So it's just been really helpful to have people that know what I went through when it happened. And when I started, I was fresh out of this thing. Honestly, it helped me cope with what I was going through just by hearing that what I'm going through is natural. Other people are going through it too. And I love how unique our group is. It's a parent loss too soon kind of group. So it's exactly similar to the kind of feelings that I'm having. Jeremy, how has the group impacted you? It's, it's a great question because like I said earlier, 
I knew this was going to happen because God told me it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's been another extension of the counseling that I did have uh, back in time that it gives me an opportunity to say things that I want to say and express feelings that I want to express without having somebody poo-pooing me hmm. or, you know, I could be, I could be real. Um, and I know that the other people in the room that you guys are, that you guys know and have dealt with similar things, just like, you know, Ashley and Chelsea have said, we know that each other's being real because we've been there. When you haven't been there, it's easy to say, I understand. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but, but it's, but coming from a person who's been there and has experienced that, maybe I should hand this off to Chelsea to, to finish that thought. Cause this is, this is her arena. Yeah. yeah. I just think back to being at my mom's viewing, um, and then at her funeral and, Probably aside from having to bury my mom was having hundreds of people come through the line, which was great that so many people loved her, but hearing over and over, I understand, I get what you're going through, but in my mind, I, you know, I know these people, I know that both of their parents are still living and, you know, it's not the same when you've lost a grandparent you know that sucks but it's not the same um and I think for me my mom was my best friend so losing her was especially hard for me um so then hearing over and over I understand I get it from other people um it almost made me feel isolated and like I was alone because I knew that even though these people were trying to be comforting, it was the complete opposite mm-hmm. of comforting. It was more of a reminder that, oh, wow, you don't actually get it. So I must be the only one feeling this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember a little side story that relates to that. A few months ago, going to the store to get a sympathy card for someone and... As I'm going through the cards, I'm getting angry. The more cards I read, the angrier I, I get because they're all like, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm thinking of you. Mm. The only card that I picked up that I approved of was the one that said, I'm praying for you. Because, oh, wow. yeah. Yeah. That was probably of all the things that people, um, said to me again like just trying to be comforting and and encouraging um when people would say I'm praying for you that meant the most because at that time like what else would I need right besides prayer um you know I just I wanted my mom so even hearing well she's in a better place I, I don't I don't care I don't care where she is. I want her here with me. I don't want her in a better place. Yeah. So um but I think it's just like a natural thing. Like people want to be comforting and they just say what you think is gonna be comforting. And then it comes across fake because you know that they haven't dealt with what you've dealt with. Yes. 
and you don't intend it to be fake, but that's what what you hear on this end of it. Mm-hmm. Right. The only thing I appreciated was either I'm praying for you or they showed up and they sat with me. Yes. Those were the only things I appreciated. Everything else were empty words. Mm-hmm. So let's dig in a little bit more about the darkness that came with those early stages of losing a parent. Ashley, can you talk more about how that was for you? So I was actually, it's actually kind of perfect because I was going to piggyback off of her feeling isolated because that was one thing that I dealt with and even now still deal with is kind of going through that. You almost kind of get like an abandoned feeling. And so, like, even to this day, I know it's something that I struggle with. Like, I don't get super close to people because there's always that thought in the back of your mind that they're either going to leave you, something's going to happen, and they won't be there anymore. So, like, even to this day, like, almost 16 years later, that's something that I still struggle with is that constant fear of abandonment. Mm. Yeah, that's so rough to just feel that way I remember for me it happened right when COVID hit literally the day before lockdown went down I felt like I just wanted to dig my own hole and never come back I felt completely alone and I think that goes back to where when you know you hear people say I understand I get what you're going through, but you know that they really don't. Yeah. That that just adds another layer to that abandonment feeling. Yeah. You know, nobody gets this. Nobody understands. And I have a younger brother, and we handled my mom's loss differently. So I didn't even feel like I had immediate family that I could go to. So I, I didn't know who to go to. Yeah, it's really something you learn is that people grieve differently than you. And that also makes you feel completely alone. Mm -hmm. So what else did you have to deal with in those early stages, Chelsea? I think the, the big thing that I really struggled with was, you know, my mom was a great person. She loved the Lord with all her heart. Um, she was truly that person that if she said, I'll be praying for you, she was praying for you. There Mm -hmm. was, there was no emptiness in her saying that. So I really struggled with, I questioned God a lot. Um, the, the why God (laughs) came out of my mouth a lot. Um, I was very angry at God at some of the doctors who had misdiagnosed her two and a half years earlier, um, and they were trying different medications that weren't working. So I was angry at them. I was angry at just like the disease, the whole situation. I was just so angry. And I I isolated myself. I, I didn't know who to talk to about it. When I tried to talk to people, I got very crazy responses. They were they were crazy to me. They were not helpful. So I just isolated myself even further. But the one thing that I remember 
is just feeling so angry. Last year for the holidays, if I could have skipped November and December, I would have in half a second. I wanted nothing to do with the holidays. I didn't want to listen to Christmas music because it is not the happiest time of the year. (laughs) I just wanted nothing to do with it. I was very angry. So very angry. Yeah. See, Christmas for me, because my dad was always the one who wanted to celebrate, wanted to go all out, wanted to do decorations. So after he had passed, and I mean, even up till last year, it's it's starting to change kind of this year, but nobody really wanted to do like, I mean, we did Christmas because, of course, the kids were younger and now my brother has kids that are little, but it was just never really the same because it was always his like energy that just made you want to celebrate and Without that, it was kind of like, almost like you're fighting a losing battle because I would always try to like incorporate that because like I love Christmas. That's where I I get my love of like Christmas and stuff from, but to kind of go against people that not necessarily don't like Christmas, but don't want to like go all out because Mm -hmm. it's not the same. So it's just really hard to kind of celebrate the holidays when you're going up against that yeah and that's back to like everybody grieves differently and this is my first holiday season going through this and you can look around and you can tell everybody's has a different opinion about things and it sucks (laughs) the holidays are chaos it does it sucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, see, there was um, me and my two younger brothers, and I mean, all three of us grieved differently. You didn't really notice it at the time because we were all young, but looking back at it now and just to see three completely different ways of somebody grieving the same person and the same figure in their family, it's just baffling. Again, back to that isolating feeling. And I think when you're all grieving differently, you want things to go a different way. When I think back to the holidays last year, I wanted to keep everything the same. Um, The rest of my family did not. So I ended up kind of being the one to sacrifice. You know, someone's always sacrificing what they want or need for themselves, which for me made... Christmas even harder because not only is my mom gone but now everything else is completely different like I just wanted some semblance of normalcy yeah everything you knew was no longer the way you knew it exactly yeah so Jeremy what about you how did you deal with those darkest moments in the beginning for me it's a little different than what the the other three of you uh went through um because I had a a trial that I had to go deal with as well because my brother went to prison. And so for me, the grieving process itself, there is no normal in the grieving process. Let me just say that right out. Amen. Right out front. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But as I look back, I'm not sure even to this point that I've really grieved. 
because I was always waiting for something for the next thing to happen because my brother went to prison and then I had to deal with, you know, my dad's final wishes, you know, and picking up his ashes and dealing with that. And then my brother's trial was supposed to start. It was supposed to start in June and then it got postponed till September 29th, which just happened to be my birthday. And that was really going to suck. And then it got postponed to the following June and fell over top of, if you want to say, ironically, Father's Day. It ran, you know, before and after Father's Day. So for me, there was always something that I was looking forward that was going to happen. And I couldn't really, um, I couldn't just stop and have feelings. All of your firsts were interrupted. Yes. You, mm. you couldn't have those firsts as just like to just be or yeah. to remember your dad. They were interrupted by something. And, and until you just said that, I had never thought of that. But there was something ahead of me that I was always waiting for, you know, for the trial to come. And then it would get changed. And then so on and so forth. And then when the trial was finally over, um, and then the appeal came and then there was, you know, you had to wait for that. And it was just, there was always something that, like you said, it interrupted my grieving process. But at the same time, my father's mom, who is now just turned 94, I felt like I needed to be the one that I had to be strong for my dad's siblings, for my aunts and uncles, I had to be strong for my 90, at, at the time, I, I think she was 88 or 89. And I felt like I had to be strong for her. So all of my grieving um, didn't really happen. When I found out about my dad dying, I found out through a text from a cousin in West Virginia. In fact, it's right here. I'll read it to you. It says, praying for you guys with lots of exclamation points. We love you. A lot more exclamation points. And so I was like, cool. You know, he's <laughs> no. texting me. So, so here's my reply. Thanks. I appreciate the random text and prayer. Dot, dot, dot. Or is there something going on I don't know about? Smiley face. Love you too. And I get a reply that says, oh, no. I assumed you knew. You should call our uncle. And I read, I'm always the last to know. Anyway, once I talked to the uncle, I hit the floor in tears. Yeah. Because like Chelsea said, you know, her mom was her best friend. You know, my dad, in a lot of ways, was my best friend. He was there for a lot of my life. And to know that I wasn't ever going to get another text, to know that I wasn't ever going to get another phone call, and I, I let loose. Right there on the kitchen floor, you know, that, that was it. That's all I knew to do. Then I started making phone calls. And I called one of my small group members at the time. And my small group, that, that person told me over the phone, they're like, yeah, we know. And I'm thinking, how the heck do you know before I know? That sucked. Knowing that there were a lot of people that already knew what was going on long before I found out myself really ticked me off. Understandably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no kidding. No matter who finds out, 
before you. Right. It just adds another layer of suck. Right. When your small group leader knows, and that's not family. Right. So. And my uncle wasn't going to tell me over the phone, too. He was in Columbus, and he was on his way in to see me in person, to tell me in person, which I get. I'm that kind of person. You want to tell me that kind of stuff in person. But when I get a text from my cousin in West Virginia, okay, we're not talking up the street. We're not talking the next city. That doesn't sit well. No. <laughs> you know? So you're going to tell me now because I need to know because something's going on. Mm-hmm. You're not going to keep this from me. So anyway, the first you know year and a half uh, really was not good for me because, like you said, Chelsea, um, everything got postponed. And even now, I don't know that I've really grieved. Now, I have days when I wake up ticked off about something. I have days that are much harder than others. But for me, every day is hard because my dad's not around anymore. He's not here. There are just days that are much harder than others because of, you know, different feelings and different things that I've experienced along the way. So kind of along that line, there's one phrase that people would tell me all the time and it never sit right with me. And that's when people come up and they're like, you know, it'll get better. (laughs) And it has been almost 16 years. And the one thing that I tell people that go through a grieving process is it doesn't get better. Like, I refuse to lie to these people and give them a false sense of hope that their life is going to get better. It's going to get different. Eventually, you'll learn to to adapt and to change things, but it's never going to get better. I mean, you basically lost a part of your family, a part of your heart. It doesn't get better. Like, that's just one thing that I refuse to. To tell people because you're just giving them a false sense of hope that it'll get better. I had somebody tell me that once and it was like, you know, you have no idea. You don't know because you're going to experience things and it's just going to bring it all back around. Like I know for me, when I go to weddings or when you see brides being walked down the aisle by their dad, that's something I'm not going to get to experience. And so, you know, I don't, I don't ever make it through the weddings because, I mean, I just lose it because I know that I'm not going to get that. Yeah. Bouncing right back at you, Ashley. You can't tell me it's going to get better when my mom died a week after I got engaged. And I have to get married without her there. And I'm going to have kids without her there. Mm-hmm. And those kids are going to grow up without ever knowing her. Mm-hmm. That's not better. That's not better. You're right. Right. Mm-hmm. See, I look at my my brother's kids, and it's like they're never going to know their grandpa, who was one of the best people. Mm-hmm. Like, my dad would literally do anything for anybody if they if they needed him. He was always there for anybody and they're not going to get to know that they're not going to get to feel the love that I felt from him Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it just breaks your heart 
a little bit of background for everyone. Ashley and I went to school together since kindergarten. So I knew her dad and like he would have been the best grandpa ever. But I also get that too because um, my mom was going to babysit our kids. Um, She was going to quit her job and that was going to be her job. And it was going to be such a huge help for my husband and I because um, I work in Columbus, so I have an hour drive one way every single day. Um, And my husband works in excavating and construction, so in the summertime, his hours are crazy. So the fact that she was willing to watch our kids for no pay... Yeah, it sucks to like, oh, I lost a babysitter. But like, my mom doesn't get to know her grandkids. She never will. And I hate that for, we don't have kids now, but I hate that for my kids. Because I wanted them to know their grandma. When I even start thinking about new life situations, I get angry and I honestly get angry when people say I'm so excited that you're getting married and I just want to look at them like yeah sure me too yeah yay right you're like (laughs) yeah you're like you know thank you for being excited but in all honesty there's a part of me that's not like Mm -hmm. like I'm gonna walk down the aisle and in that front row is a picture and a rose in memory of my mother it's not cool and it's not good. And that's supposed to be things getting better. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And gosh, anybody else feel depression over these things? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I have been in some of the darkest places I have ever been these past nine months. And honestly, if it wasn't for like specifically my fiance pointing me back to Christ, I may not even be here right now. That's how dark it was for me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just looking to the future sometimes doesn't help. <laughs> no, I, I think that a lot of times it's it's not encouraging. You know, in, in some situations, you know, when you haven't lost a parent, you're excited for your wedding or to have kids, or for the first this and the first that, um, the life changes. But after you lose that parent, a lot of those lose their excitement. And, you know, I've even wondered, like, do I even want to have kids? You know, I can't imagine being (laughs) in labor and not have my mom there. Yeah, me you too. know, as, as much as I love, you know, my mother-in-law, like she's not the person that I want to be there during those times. So I'm not looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. One of my dad's favorite verses was Psalm 46, 10, which says, be still and know that I am God. And for me, I've had to hold on to that verse a lot first, not just because It was one of my dad's favorite verses, but that verse helped me deal with all of the things that I was dealing with in the midst of not being able to 
grief with through the whole trial process, dealing with family members that disagreed with me and were on the side of my brother, and uh, which was a whole nother aspect of things that that kept me from grieving because I was mad at them for their stuff. Being still and letting God do what God does for me was huge. You mentioned it a few moments ago, Abigail, about those dark places. And I'm thankful that I didn't do things that were in my head. Because when you do lose, you lose a staple of your family. You know, as I grew up, grandparents were supposed to die and then your parents and then, and there's a, there's an order to things. And when the order gets screwed up, it throws everything out of whack. And my dad was not supposed to go. This doesn't happen to me. This doesn't happen to my family. This doesn't happen to, you know, it happens elsewhere. It happens to other people, but it doesn't happen to me, but it did. And that's what I have to keep coming back to. So when I have those dark moments, like you're talking about, I have to go back to this verse and allow myself just to be still, to not act, to not react, but just to let God do what God is doing. Yeah. I can relate to that. It was probably two or three months before my mom actually passed away and I, I was definitely feeling the depression. Um, I had never truly understood what anxiety felt like. Um, and it makes you feel crazy. It does. Absolutely crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I went to my doctor and I talked to her about, you know, starting medication and that's been great. It's been very helpful, but they go through this questionnaire with you to determine, is it depression? Is it anxiety? Is it both? Is it something else? Um, and when she got to the part about suicide and if I felt suicidal, um, I never did. I never have. But I told her, I said, I don't feel that way, but I understand why people do. Mm. When you mm. just get to a place where you feel like you have no hope, you have no one that you can turn to, and you just quite literally feel crazy. <laughs> At first I thought, I'm like, oh great, she's going to think I have a plan and, and everything. Um, but she's like, that actually makes a lot of sense. And she said, I've never heard somebody say that before, but she said, it makes sense. And she's like, and trust me, I, I don't think that you're going to go do something but she's like, I also get why you would feel like you have no hope. You know, I wouldn't have considered myself suicidal, but I thought about it. Yeah. You know, when you have no hope, you think about how to get rid of that bad feeling. But like you said, I know why people do what they do mm -hmm. when they're in those moments, because it's that bad. Mm -hmm. So kind of along with that, I did go through a period where I felt like I had no hope. Nobody was going to care if I was here. Nobody was going to care if I was gone. And like, it honestly wouldn't matter to anybody if I was in this world or not in this world. But I do want to say that like, if you are experiencing that, you, 
you can't hold on to that because I have seen families affected by suicide. My family's been affected. My not my immediate family, but my extended family's been affected by suicide. And that kind of brings it all into perspective of people would care if you were gone. Absolutely. And so after after experiencing that and seeing that, it kind of like changed things for me where I haven't like had those feelings or thoughts anymore since then because to see the effect that that had on families you don't think about it when you're in that moment you don't think about the effect that what your decision will have on other people all you're thinking about is ending your pain yeah and uh, but it does I mean it affects everybody friends families neighbors everybody is affected I remember going through that same thought process when I was thinking about you know, not being suicidal, but when I was just thinking about what that would look like, I just knew, you know, that's just adding more pain to everybody. That's not helping my situation. As a guy who's been a youth pastor and a children's pastor for many years, one of the things that I come back to in regards to that is I think about all of the kids that I've had over the years. Because when my brain goes to, well, nobody's going to care. Well, you know, all those people that are adults now, including two of, the, two of you guys in the room here, <laughs> um, you guys are what comes to mind. And I think about all the times that I've had with all those kids and, you know, teenagers or otherwise, you know, the youngsters. And they are what keeps me going. You guys are what keeps me going because... It's too easy just to end it. It's hard to keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It shows strength when you're holding on, even through what we've been through. It shows strength. And honestly, that strength doesn't come from us. No, not at all. You know, like I said earlier, I, for a long time, I was very angry with God I didn't understand why my mom, why my family, why me. Um, but here, like mainly because of COVID and not being able to do as much, um, I've really gotten back into scripture and mm. worship. And I've found that hope in Christ. Um and one of the verses that I like want to plaster everywhere is Deuteronomy 31 verse 8. And it says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For me, there's like two big parts in that scripture. The first one is where it says that the Lord himself goes before you. So from the beginning of time, God knew that we were all going to lose a parent early. But from the beginning of time, God has gone before us. Mm. So he's not surprised by anything that any of us have gone through. 
it it didn't catch him off guard. It caught us off guard. Right. And it's not what we wanted. But God knew he wasn't surprised, so he could always be there for us, which goes into the second part, that he will never leave you nor forsake you. God's always there. And even in probably the year plus that I was so angry um, and quite frankly wanted nothing to do with God, he was still with me, still with me. And then I had to come back to him. Yeah. But when I came back to him, he was right where he's always been. Yeah. That's actually one of my favorite verses. Yeah. It's become one of my favorite for sure. Another verse a friend of mine sent me, uh, it's in Psalm 91, Psalm 91, 15 through 16. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And just knowing that God already had plans of being there with me through this trouble, kind of like what you were saying, Chelsea, it's comforting to me to keep holding on. Um, There's another verse that I've really been clinging to. And it's funny, actually, because probably two years before my mom even got sick, I actually painted this verse on a like this huge sign for my mother-in-law. Nothing fancy because I'm no artist. (laughs) But here recently, like it's come back up, which, you know, it's crazy how God does that. Um, But it's Psalm 61, 2. From the ends of the earth, I cry to you for help. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the towering rock of safety. So I always just go back to God is so much bigger than me. And while I don't understand why I had to lose my mom, why any of us had to lose the parent that we lost, God is so much bigger and he will always be our place of safety. Yeah, that's so good. Well, guys, I hate to cut this conversation off here, but I feel like there's too much to unpack in one episode. So for those listening, we're going to have a part two. So be sure to tune in next time. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. If you liked what you heard, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. You can find me at abigailtip10. Leave a comment or a DM and I would love to get back with you. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Have a blessed day, friends.